0: You are listening to the Sermon Podcast of Nielsville Presbyterian Church, a Christ-centered church in Germantown, Maryland. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org. Good morning. It's good to see everyone this this Sunday as we worship the Lord. When Jamie and Uh, and Stephanie Mayo, a member of our congregation, first approached me about Orphan Sunday, I said, of course, it's a no-brainer. Or for us, because we're a family of adoption family. So to highlight that is only something that has been a value for us for many, many, many years. And so I'm glad that we, as a congregation, can participate in something so unique and special and for our time for us to reflect on how we can play a role in caring for our children, children in our community, how we can love on them and show them the love that Christ has shown to us. And this morning, this is what the message is about. We're taking a break from Hosea and we're going to look at this passage in, Gal- in, in Galatia 3 and 4, talking about our adoption. In fact, J.I. Packard, a, a well known theologian and author of many significant books in the Christian world, reflects and says this about adoption he says the notion the notion that we are children of God his own sons and daughters is the mainspring the main thing of Christian living our sonship our adoption is the apex of creation and the goal of redemption what a high view of the doctrine of adoption because of God's radical love for us in Jesus Christ, which we have been seeing in Hosea, which Brian last week beautifully shared with us about, about the, the love of God, that unconditional, supernatural, radical love of God, that relentless love of God that impacts us. It should also impact us in this area as well. So look, let us look at this passage in Galatians 3, 26 through chapter, through chapter 4, verse 7. Let us bask together in this awesome news, for it affects everything about us and how we're to live. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have closed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time sent by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive what? The full rights of sons and daughters. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, again, as we gather around your word this morning, as we look into this passage, Father, I pray through your spirit that you would encourage us, that you would, you would help us to enjoy more freely and more confidently this great relationship that you have established with us through Christ. Do that work, I pray, through your spirit. Amen. A pastor friend of mine shared a story of a, of a woman that he met in a nursing home, a very dear elderly woman. She told him about her own story. She was an African-American found as a baby on the, the, on the side of a railroad track by a rich Jewish woman. The woman, this woman took her home and raised her as her very own daughter and she was giving everything she needed including security and love. But the family's, woman's family resented this child when they were, she would brought home. In fact, they bullied her to the point when she was a teenager, she ran away from home. As she was telling the, my friend her story, she said for the rest of her life, she lived with regret that she could not find the woman who had taken her in, who had saved her, who had rescued her, who has delivered her from her plight. As I listen to this story, I can only think of how we as Christians often want to raise From God's love and security when we are faced with difficult or painful experiences or when life doesn't go the way that we think it should go all of us who know Christ at times and to some degree have failed to experience the freedom and the joy of our adoption that we have received from God the Father often we let circumstances our relationships and even our own expectations to rob us of the reality of this intimate and free relationship we have with god we continue in a sense live as orphans or as slaves instead of as precious delighted and adopted children and even though we are rich in this relationship that he's given us full and forever adopted children of god with complete access to the father we continue to go back again and again relating to him only through our own record our own performance and our own moral merits we fail to realize our awesome inheritance yet paul in this passage wants to strongly encourage us he wants us wants to remind us that that those who believe and trust in jesus christ can enjoy our forever adoption regardless of what we're going through in our lives regardless of the hard relationships that we may have regardless of the circumstances we might find ourselves in this morning God also in his word wants to encourage those who may not have have put their trust in Jesus yet to consider this vibrant growing relationship he desires to provide for you so with that in mind I want us to look at two key roles for us two key realities to help us to enjoy our adoption. First, as we were sung this morning, our Father has redeemed us through Jesus Christ. That will enable us to enjoy our adoption. The second thing we need to realize is that our Father has given us his spirit that also helps us to enjoy our adoption. So let's first look at how our Father redeems us through Christ so that we can then enjoy our adoption. Dr. Robert Peterson, one of my seminary professors at Covenant Theological Seminary, wrote a book called Adopted by God. And he shares about a true and yet tragic story of a minister who rescued his son. He and his seven-year-old son were fishing on a lake in Tennessee. His son David slipped into the the water and fell into the the lake. His father jumped in to the water to try to rescue him. He, He pushed his son towards the rock and the boy did climb to safety but the father could not swim. And before his son could return with two other fishermen, his father had disappeared. Later, his lifeless body was found about 25 feet from shore and 16 feet of water. I don't know about you, this story pulls out our emotions in opposite directions. We are awed at this father's heroism and risking his life To deliver and rescue his son from death but we are deeply saddened at the awful cost of the deliverance our grief grows when we understand that he left a wife and two other children but even as I recount this tragic story we need to realize there's a great greater rescue a greater deliverance than the one that I just recounted in Galatians 4 and 5 Paul reminds us of the son who died to rescue and deliver us. And this too pulls out our emotions, does it not? Saddened at the death of this perfect son, Jesus Christ, the father's beloved, but also overjoyed at what comes to those who, res- who he rescues. So that brings us to mind. For us to truly understand this great redemption, we first need to understand, as Paul is laying out in Galatians four one to three, the need of redemption, the need of this Savior to die. Again, was it say, what, what am I saying? Is this that as long as an heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, and though, although he owns the whole estate, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we are children, we are slavery under the basic principles of the world. What is Paul saying? We, all of us, you and me here today, were enslaved to the law. In fact, to redeem here means to release a slave from his or her own owner by paying the slave's full price. Much like Hosea had to do for Gomer. Here in this verse, we, we were in slavery to the law. Paul is saying that to the church then, he's saying that to us now. But because of our relationship with Christ, our status, uh, before our relationship with Christ, our status was one of a slave, or in a sense, an orphan, in a sense. We are not his children. We are under the law legally in that we were obligated to be righteous before God. And if we were not, then we were lost. But we also are under it spiritually in that our hearts are helplessly fixated on trying to fulfill it in order to win God's favor and it becomes then a burden does it not it becomes impossible for us to satisfy so in a sense we belong to the law before we were in Christ we were under its control we are enslaved to the law but we were also enslaved to sin which also reminds us of our need of redemption see sin is a master a boss over us our sinful condition constituted our need for redemption See, for us to truly understand the amazing cost of God's love for us and his redemption, we need to first understand our estate before we were in Christ. We were not attractive. We were were going and doing things that completely ignored him and, and dished him, right? And yet in his love and his mercy, he was willing to send his son for people like you and for I. And that is the second thing we need to remember is the price of redemption and able to enjoy our adoption. But when we had time fully had come in Galatians 4, 4 and 5, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Paul is reminding the church then and now that Jesus, in his perfect obedient life and his death on the cross, releases us from the bondage to the law, releases us from the sin as a slave is released from the bondage to his master. You see, Jesus pays the full price of the law. Jesus completely fulfills all of the Lord's demands. He fulfilled everything and everything we owe. Anything and everything we owe. There is nothing left for him to do or to pay. Jesus freely gave himself as a ransom, much like that father freely threw himself to save his son, to pay the payment of our sin. He died to set those free who believe on him and to make us part of God's family. See, we cannot pay for our redemption. There's no way we can write that check to pay for our redemption. There's nothing we can do to make it make us acceptable to God or to earn his favor. No one can keep the law so as to merit God's favor. No one is good enough. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. And as a result, the curse of the law hangs on every head of every lawbreaker. It hangs on all of us. The curse of the law is ready to strike each of us and what we deserve, the full wrath of, of a holy and just God. But yet that's where we don't, but that's an amazing thing, that God sent his son to deliver us, to rescue us, where we couldn't do that ourselves. It cost us nothing. It cost him everything. Jesus took our curse, our penalty, our judgment that we deserved, and placed it on himself. Our need of redemption, the price of redemption, the cost of redemption, and the result of redemption. In Galatians 3, 26 through 29, in Galatians 4, 5, we see that. In fact, in Galatians 4, 5, Jesus, it says, bought for us the full rights of sons. The full rights of sons and daughters. Through Jesus Christ, we receive the Greek word there is sonship. Adoption. It's a legal term that refers to the Greco Roman legal process in which a childless, wealthy man could take one of his servants and adopt him. When that occurred, he ceased to be a slave and received all the financial and legal privileges within the estate in the world, outside in the world, as a son and heir. Though by birth and nature, He's a slave without relationship with this father. He now receives the legal status of a son. And that's a metaphor for us. Both our freedom from liability to sin and the rights as sons are all to those who trust in Christ. We're not only legally trans... Not only does he legally transfer our record to himself and his record to us, we are made part of the family of God. Like what Tim Keller says, he says this, in order to remove our legal status as sinners deserving condemnation, he gave us legal status as sons deserving great wealth and honor. This gives us a complete picture of what Christ has accomplished for us. He both removed our curse we deserve and gives us a blessing of adoption he deserves. God's honor and rewards is just as secure and guaranteed as our pardon. Again, Tim Keller reminds, Jesus' redemption is not just like receiving a pardon and release from death row in prison. It is that, but it is more. It says, then we would be free, but not our own. Jesus also put on us the Congressional Medal of Honor. We are received and welcomed as heroes, as if we had accomplished extraordinary deeds. Isn't that amazing? We who were enslaved to sin, we who had no really could do nothing to, to earn our salvation, are now, because of the work of Christ, not only does he, this redemption means that we are given a status that, that is amazing, Everything is, that is God is now ours through this work of Christ. It's interesting that not only woman who, as, he was, as she was talking to my pastor friend, she said, I found another Jew. And she says it found, it found her while she was rejecting everyone. But, but this, this Jew, this Jesus announced to her, that, her that, that Jesus had died for her so that she could be his forever daughter. And as, as, as she heard the good news for herself many, many, many years ago, as this pastor was hearing from this woman, she said, as she embraced Jesus as her Savior, she began to sing praises to her God and told everyone she met. What's even fascinating to me, even more amazing to me, as you look at verse 27, it talks about putting on Christ or clothing ourselves with Christ. And this reminds us, if we are people of, who put their faith in Christ, it reminds us as our primary identity is in Christ. Doesn't our clothing tell people who we are? You're either a prep or you're in hip-hop or you're Joseph Banks. You know, your clothing tells you who you are. To say that Christ is our clothing is to say that our ultimate identity is not found in any gender, social, or cultural costifications, but in Christ and in Christ alone. It also shows to us a close relationship with God. We need clothes, right? They, keep, they are kept closer than any other possession, right? When my dog wants to go out in the morning, I need to make sure I have clothes close by to put on, warm clothes now, to put on so I can take him out in the morning, right? We need them, right? That We rely on them for every moment of the day. They go most everywhere with us. This reminds us of the moment-by-moment dependence on and our daily awareness of Christ. It reminds us of this imitation of Christ. We take Jesus into every area of our life and change, and he changes us accordingly. We are to dress like Jesus. We put on his quality, put on his virtues, we put on his actions, that's why often Sunday. Why are we talking about often Sunday? It, it, if if we're imitating Christ, it's just something that God is calling us to be about. But also we see this idea, this benefit, this I, this also reminds us of our acceptability to God. Our clothing is worn as indomit; it covers our nakedness. It says that that Christ is our clothing is to say that 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 in our Father's sight we're always loved and accepted and welcomed because of Christ's work of redemption you could share the picture of my family. It's a recent picture of us at this wedding that we went to. We don't look alike. But I can tell you that as we have been parents for 21 and 20 years, they act similar to us. There are two in the family that love to debate loudly and strongly. And there are two of us in the family that love to just have tender, quiet conversations. I can tell you, you can guess who, who is who, <laughs> right? But, but because they are part of the Rickett family now, right, they, they begin to kind of resemble us in many ways. And they might not look like us, right, but they are resembling us. In the same way, as, we, as, as Christ has brought us into the family of God, as we, are, as we are resting in Christ and his work for us, we begin to resemble Christ. And what helps us to resemble Christ is the second reality that we need to understand. That the Father gives us the Spirit. And as it gives us a Spirit, we then can enjoy our adoption as well. The question I, I want to ask is, what is the Spirit's purpose? The Spirit's purpose is to secure for us the actual experience of our sonship, of our adoption. In fact, Brian last, last week was talking about head heart and and feet in a sense, right? And he he talked about it. We should be feeling the love of God, and that is so true. And and this is the work of the Spirit. The Spirit helps us to feel the security and the grace that God gives us. In fact, Tim Keller encourages, the work of the Son brings us an objective legal condition that we can claim wherever wherever we feel it or not. But the work of the Spirit is not like that at all. The Spirit brings us a radically subjective experience. The work of the Son is done externally to us and is something that we can without feeling. But the work of the Spirit is done internally to to us and consists of being completely moved intellectually, emotionally, volitionally by the love of the Father. See, the Spirit not only brings us into a relationship with Christ by showing us our sin and our need for Christ, He daily enables us to express our faith in Christ and to live as his very precious sons and daughters so what are the marks the characteristics of the internal work of the spirit again look at that 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 last section in Galatians 6 and 7 what does it say that we the spirit enables us to cry out Abba Father to call out Abba Father see the Greek word here is a very strong word that means a rendering a loud cloud. It's not like Abba, Father. It's Abba, Father. It refers a deep, profound passion and feeling. That's the kind of relationship we have with God, that we can cry out, Abba, Daddy, help me. Care for me. Remind me of your love. The call out also refers to our prayer life. Just as a young child does not prepare eloquent speeches, for his parents. So Christians experiencing this work of the Spirit find a great spontaneity, spontaneity in reality in prayer. Prayer is no longer mechanical or formal, but filled with warmth, passion, freedom, and maybe even sometimes surprising eloquence. This calling out also gives us a sense of God's real presence. Again, just as, as a child calls out automatically to the nearby daddy or mommy when there's a problem or a question or is fearful or worried. So Christians experiencing the internal work of the Spirit feels a nearness to God. He feels God's remarkable presence, real presence. I don't think my daughter would say this, but my daughter is a a third year in college, and we get a phone call most every day when she's driving to school, she's off campus this year, or she's walking to school, or she's just cooking, or she's walking her dog, Mocha, we get a phone call. It could be she just wants to say hi, or she, she might be something she's worried about. But she calls us, right? She knows that, she, that we're available, that, that there's love for her there, that, she, that no matter what, there's, there's a depend, depend, dependency on her parents that she can talk to. And if she doesn't get any of us, she gets kind of upset. <laughs> Even though when we try to call her, like, what are you worried about, Dad? <laughs> right? There's that sense that, that, that as, as we have this father-child relationship, that we can just talk to them while we're walk, while driving to work, while we're doing work, while we're talking to our kids, while we're in a neighborhood. You know, that's the kind of relationship God has given us through Christ. And this last thing I want to make a comment on, on this idea of Abba. Again, this Abba means a confidence of love and assurance of welcome. Again, just as a child does not doubt the security and openness of a daddy's strong arms, so Christians experiencing the eternal work of the Spirit have an overwhelming boldness and certainty that God loves them endlessly. This is the work of the Spirit as he whispers within our ears, I love you, you are mine, I'm in your, I am your father and you're my child forever. You're my beloved child. You're my child that I delight in. You're the child that I rejoices over with singing. I'm a, you're the child that I dance over you with singing. See, it's a spirit who makes the truth of our doctrine of adoption found in scripture thrilling, disturbing, healing, and yet encouraging. So the question for us, how are you enjoying your adoption? How are you experiencing your adoption? I know many of you may not have had healthy relationships with your parents, and sometimes that's a barrier to us to understand this unconditional, sacrificial, ever-for-us type of love that God has for us. But my, my hope is that, that you would more deeply experience this Father, this Heavenly Father who loves you just as you are and loves you so much that not to keep you as you are, but to transform you more and more in the likeness of Christ. Do you have fears or worries regarding your financial situation, your health concerns, marital difficulties, difficulties with your children or difficult relationships at work or within your extended family? How does resting in this reality that you are God's child help you in those times? I believe it can. Are you overwhelmed with everyday routine of life? Bask in the, in, in the, in the reality that you are a daughter and son Of the living god because of christ where are you turning for comfort where are you turning for significance where are you turning for security and motivation may you rest in the work of christ what's interesting in most states in a lot of states the adoption law says that you can never be disinherited. If you're, if you're in foster care and if you're adopted, you can never be disinherited from your parents. No matter how um, dis- disobedient or embarrassment or awful burden they are to his, through their parents, the state laws often will ensure security and significance and comfort to the adopted child, that he will always belong to them, much more than any biological child. But see, that is true for us who are adopted by God through faith in Jesus Christ. Our Father, no matter how you mess up, and we do, no matter how you blow it, and we will blow it, if you're in Christ, our Father will never, hear me, will never disinherit you. Our gracious God will always be looking for us, always pursuing us, always running towards us, and will be passionately wanting to welcome us again and again and again. I love how one six-year-old girl from Kazakhstan reflects back on her adoption when she was four. She says, I'm in the orphanage. It's kind of like a place you don't like because it doesn't have toys. They just have little baby toys. I didn't have a blanket or a pillow. I didn't have very much to eat. I was so hungry because they didn't even give us very much soup. We didn't have many clothes. We had underwear, so we were kind of naked. I didn't like, I didn't have a mommy or a daddy there. I never got a kiss and I never got a hug. I was there a long time. My mom came and picked me up. I was shy. I thought she was a stranger who I was supposed to say no to. It's kind of fun to live in America because she, there's a bathroom here. It's more fun if you get to go to school and learn. It's more fun to read a book and relax. It's more fun to have clothes on because they are more comfy. Sometimes when I touch things, it just means that I didn't get to touch anything at the north orphanage. It's kind of important, and it's so fun to have a mommy. I have a special mom. I get to have fun with my special mommy. And now I get hugs and kisses from my special mommy. Friends, because of the work of Jesus Christ, we have that same kind of special, intimate relationship with the Father. A daddy who gives us hugs and kisses. And as the Spirit works in our lives to daily ensure us that we forever belong to him. He gives us the confidence to face the challenges that comes our way. For our security does not rest on us or on others or in circumstance but rest on jesus who who has provided it all as we sung about us to live in the world but lastly this is the proper motivation for us then to care for those in the foster care system because we have received this radical gracious love we want to share that love to those who are hurting who are in hard situations We want them, too, to know the relentless love of our Father. Oh, friends, may brothers and sisters in Christ, those who may not even know Christ, may you know and experience the deep, deep love of our Father because it will make all the difference in the world, in us and for us. Let's pray. Father, as we prepare for the Lord's Prayer Table, as we even think about this table that we're able to come and to experience your grace and mercy that we can come as your very own broken yet made whole children of god no matter what we're experiencing today oh holy spirit no matter what we're wrestling with lord this is a table for us to come and to receive grace and mercy to come to it may be a time for us to come and to repent of sins that we not have repented before. It may be a time just to, be re- to, to rest in knowing this deep, deep love of the Father that he has for us. Whatever it is for us this morning, may we come knowing and experiencing by your spirit this great father-child relationship that you delight to give us through your Son, Jesus Christ. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org.